0: Get your sugar sugar postpartum deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long, and with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada and today we're going to be talking about parenting your newborn. The good news is that you can discover the secrets of your newborn as you figure out what type of parent you want to be. However, it will probably involve a skin-to-skin extravaganza. Dr. Bob Hamilton is here to tell us more. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you so very much for listening and for all the love you give this show. If what you hear is helpful, tell your friends, make sure to subscribe, and that way you won't miss a thing. All right, so my guest today is pediatrician, Dr. Bob Hamilton, who is better known or best known, I guess, for a video on YouTube where he demonstrates a super quick and simple and effective way to instantaneously calm a baby. It is known as the Hamilton Hold after Dr. Bob Hamilton. And he recently also published a book called The Seven Secrets of Your Newborn, So we're going to be talking a bit about some of the concepts included in that book that brings insights on how to parent your newborn. I do want to give you a heads up that even though the book has really super solid information related to newborns and a chapter on conception through birth with great physiological information, there's a small section titled The 7 Recommendations for a Great Delivery, which I found were more recommendations on how to be a good patient. And they included things like avoiding home births and water births and letting the professionals do the job and telling dads to lay low and out of the way during delivery now I'm not completely sure how though how or why those recommendations made it there but I did find them in stark contrast with the rest of the book I'm telling you this now because if you happen to get the book I don't want you to get to that part and go what the heck and be put off by all of it as always you know what to do run all the information through your critical filters and take what resonates for you Oh, and in case you're wondering what my recommendations or wishes would be for a great delivery, you can go check out the mini episode that I did titled The 12 Days of Birth, where I go through my 12 wishes for a fabulous labor. Interestingly enough, Dr. Bob's number one recommendation is the same as my number three, which is that you are as rested as you can be for when labor starts. I'll link that to that mini episode in the show notes. All right, here we go. Here's my talk with Dr. Bob. Welcome, Dr. Bob. It's great to have you here on the up- on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Adriana. I am delighted to be here.
0: Wonderful. And there's so many things we are going to try to get through in our short talk today. But um, first of all, congratulations on your new book. You have a book called The Seven Secrets of the Newborn. Um, did Did that stem from your viral video on the Hamilton hold?
1: <laughs> it really did, yes. Uh, three a little over three years ago, randomly, I uh, it was kind of a one of my to do kind of uh, things that I ne- that I wanted to accomplish, which was to do the do a video. Uh, many of my patients and friends over the years said, you know, Dr. Hamilton, you should put that little hold on video on YouTube. Of course. I had no idea how to do that. I had no idea what that meant, but finally, I kind of checked it off i uh, had a couple guys come over to my office and we did this little video that I called How to Calm a Crying baby and uh, lo and behold, it uh, took off it kind of exploded and um you know uh, adriana i I thought that um going viral meant you had a cold. <laughs> You had a bad, you right. had diarrhea, something like that.
0: Never a good uh, I, thing.
1: Never a good thing. But I realized that going viral is a has a different meaning. And within really, uh, honestly, uh, days, I was I, I was up to 10 million, 15 million, whatever. And uh, at that moment, uh, you know, I had my uh, two seconds of fame. I was invited to come back to New York. Ah, uh, to be on Good Morning America, I got to be on Dr. Oz's show, which was uh, truly delightful, and even Fox and Friends. Uh, and so, while well, I was back in New York, uh, St. Martin's Press, which is uh, there in the the Flatiron Building there in Manhattan, uh, gave me a call and said, "Have you ever considered writing a book?" And so uh, it was really the book was a derivative, if you will, of uh, the the video.
0: Mm-hmm. And I checked this morning because I went to look at the video. Uh, I had been one of the weird people ha- that hadn't seen it yet. Um, but I did go and check it out. And uh, aside from being a wonderful resource for for new and expectant parents, um, you have 30 million views as of this morning, or not a, as of this morning, but it was around there today. So there you go. It keeps growing for sure. It,
1: it keeps growing and it's become... Uh... You know, really international. Of course, the internet is international. And so I've had people who have told me, look, we were visiting in Singapore, or I was in Greece, or I was in Israel, I was in Argentina. I mean, literally uh, all over the world, people have commented and said, look, my parents who live in Australia, called me and said, uh, you should check out this pediatrician (laughs) They're my patient. And it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting phenomenon, I have to say.
0: Yeah. Would you mind, and this is audio, so it's always a little difficult, but would you mind describing the hold? And I'll certainly link to it in the show notes so people can see it. But for those who are like out and about and can't stop to watch the video in this instant, can you describe what it's about?
1: Happy to do so. Um basically uh to those listening uh essentially as a pediatrician, one thing we do is we obviously we look at children, we examine them, we hold them in our our you know we uh, we make them you know we put our cold stethoscopes on their chest and make them cry well, over the years, I have uh, you know done that with multiple countless little babies, and so I felt an obligation somewhat to calm them down now, mind you. I'm the father of six uh, children. Uh, I feel very comfortable with children. And when a baby's crying, I've, uh, I have maybe a little bit of maternal instinct in me. I, I, have to, I tend to pick them up and try to calm them. And I have found over the years that if you gently fold each, you know, the arms in front of the chest, uh, one over the other, and grasp them, and then uh, with the, uh, I do that with my left hand, and then with my right hand, I reach down and I kind of put my hand between their little crotch, or their little booty, I call it, uh, and gently at about a 45-degree angle, hold them away from my body and gently rock them up and down. Uh, I find that that it has a very calming effect on the child, and almost universally, Adriana, they will calm down. They frequently will, and very cutely, uh, they'll open their eyes. They'll kind of look around. I think they're maybe stunned, or they're kind of going, "What is going on with my body?" <laughs> I'm not sure what they're thinking. Love to know, but they do calm down, and it's um, I, I. It is almost almost universal that they do.
0: Yeah, and you tap into that calming reflex that Dr. Carp talks about.
1: My friend Harvey Carp told me he he called me and said, "Bob, you know." What you're what you're tapping into is the calming reflex. I said, Harvey, you're totally right. That's exactly right. And and to a degree, listen, Harvey. Uh, Harvey's a good friend of mine. Uh, Adriana, uh, we trained together at UCLA, and so I know Harvey. And so I am kind of incorporating to a degree, quite independently, to be honest with you. But uh, some of his uh, five S's uh, that he delineated in his wonderful book the happiest baby on the block.
0: Mm -hmm. And I have, uh, I did an episode with him, so I'll link it on the show notes too. Um, But I do appreciate having different ways to tap into that to that uh, to that calming reflex and frankly to tell you the truth yours is way easier it's it's there's less steps to it right so um and i wanted to pinpoint that 45 degree angle that you're talking about is 45 degrees in relation between their heads and their booties right so they're not completely upright or you know horizontal but you're holding them kind of like
1: yeah Yeah. kind of kind of a leaning forward kind of position yes Uh, you don't want to make it upright because kids do kind of hold their head back and they can top, they can fall out of your hands frankly and um, I, I just I find that the 45 degree angle seems to, to work the best.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And so that brings me to you know it is fa- it's fabulous to have this as a tool that parents can tap into because the truth is and you you point in your book in terms of what babies do, they cry. <laughs> They cry all the time.
1: <laughs> they cry. And uh, I, I, I kid people. There's a reason why we call them cry babies because they, they do, that's what they know what to do. And, and listen, there's nothing more um, commanding of our attention. I, I think that people find a crying, the sound of a crying baby to be one of the most irritating sounds in the universe, uh, and I, I can tell you why, because I have good, you know, colleagues of mine, non, non-pediatrician colleagues who come into my office and hear the cacophony, hear the, you know, the the shrieking and the crying from the, uh, you know, all around me. And they look at me and they go, Hamilton, how can you deal with this every day? And I go, deal with what? And they go, all of this noise. I mean, you do get inured over time to the, the crying, but... You know, definitely a crying baby, and I will tell you, Adriana, that the reality is that I I find that my own children when they cry or my grandchildren, I, I tend to that. Other people's, I don't. I'm not. I don't hear it as much. But uh, yes, babies cry.
0: Well, and it's a great survival mechanism, and I think if you are, I mean, it commands attention, right? But I think if you are, have heard a lot of cries then you know that there's different types of cries. And you know ones that are more urgent than others is like babies figuring things out. And that, I think, ties into your, one of your secrets from the book of, you know, that first month of having baby lead the way. Um, yes. Can you speak more about that?
1: Yes. Uh, the first month of life is really a, a really precious, wonderful time. And it is a time where your child mind you, the child has been living this uh delightful existence inside of the womb they're i, I don't know what they what is going on, but they're kind of uh they're hearing things they can actually uh I don't, I'm not seeing things per se, but they're hearing things, they're feeling things uh kind of in a fog, okay they come out and the jar. Of being born, the 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 chill of the air, all of the things that happen, the noise, the loudness, the light, everything is a jar to them. So they are going through a gigantic adjustment. We we talk about we talk about life from the mother's perspective frequently. That mothers, of course, when they have a baby, um, go through a gigantic change uh, the first month, but children do too. And that month is kind of a time where I tell my moms, just sit back and be a mommy don't you know what i tell people put away your cell phones put away your computers uh kind of hang out in your home i i told my i think i wrote my book you know the first month should be a a a skin-to-skin extravaganza it should be you should be hanging out with your baby the whole month kind of naked with your baby between your you know on your chest um, and I really mean that because it's a it's a very unique time. And by the way, it goes by really quickly. Uh, one month is gone in in a minute. But um, it is a time where you're not imposing uh, necessarily your quote will, if you will, on your on your baby. Let your baby kind of uh, your baby will indicate what they need. If they're hungry, they'll cry. If when they when they have to poo, they'll poo. When they pee, they pee. They they kind of are you know, in the state where they're trying to figure out the world uh, as much as they can. And, it's, and that is the time just to let them be who they are. So that's what I mean by let baby lead the way.
0: Yeah. And I find that they come with their own, you know, personalities already and all, uh, their own patterns. So it's a perfect opportunity to l- observe their rhythm and discover that little person that's now in your life and then have that set the stage of like, Oh, okay, this is how we need to parent this little person.
1: Exactly. And it is, I, I hate to use the word organic is over, overused, but it is quite, if you really, uh, it is organic. It is, it's the kind of thing that happens quite naturally is happening all over the world, you know, without, anybody uh, instructing, you know, I, uh, mothers, uh, you know, in, in primitive areas, I spend a lot of time actually in Africa. I, I don't know if you picked that up or not, but I go to Africa on an annual basis. I'm leaving a week from tomorrow for my 26th trip to Africa. Wow. And I get, I work over there with young mothers, uh, many of them in their teens. And I got to tell you, um, Adriana, they're wonderful. They're wonderful mothers. They do a good job because they are totally keyed into their children.
0: And let's take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk more about that because I find um, something that you did mention in your book that you, you know, you've been a, a pediatrician for so many years, and you see a tendency to your new parents be more and more anxious and have like higher expectations when they come to you. So I wanna, I wanna connect those two dots. We'll be right back. And we're back talking with Dr. Bob Hamilton about his new book, The Seven Secrets of the Newborn, and also what parents need to know to parent to parent a newborn. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned in your book that you are seeing parents come to you with more anxiety and higher demands of themselves of what things should look like. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Um, yes, happy to. You know, the I, I I work in uh, Santa Monica, California, uh, which is on the west side of Los Angeles. It is an area where there people are are educated. Uh, they read a lot. They compare notes, and I find that more and more people uh, seem to are approaching parenthood a little bit with. Um, the kind of uh, zeal and maybe the kind of attitude that you would approach getting into law school or medical school is, is a little bit uh, like you having enrolled in a uh, another a class, okay, to use the, the metaphor. And I, I think that um, that only uh, induces anxiety and it causes people to be constantly you know, that, that sense of self-confidence that is so important in being good at anything, really, it seems to be eroding. And um, I also think to a degree, Adriana, people are having fewer children. They're not having four or five or six, uh, like my wife and I had six. Uh, so, but when you have one child or two children, you you have more time to focus on that one or two, that one child or two two child two children. and so I I think that as a result of that, uh, you have uh, people who are, you know, wanting to make sure that they get it right. Okay, they don't have a lot of chances here. They have only one kid, so they want to make sure everything that they do is the right thing to do. Um, that adds to the anxiety. Another thing too, frankly, is that. In my community, people are putting off having children to an ear- a later age. Uh, many of the, my mothers are professionals. Many of my mothers are very accomplished, amazing people. I, I'm fortunate to be able to work with a, a community which is, I mean, truly incredible. And, but when you put off parenthood until your mid-30s, um, that, does, that does change how you parent.
0: Yeah, well, and I can relate absolutely to that because so I've been a um I've been in the birth world for 12 years now um as a birth doula and many other things since then. But when I had my child 13 years ago and I just have the one child, uh I knew nothing about birth. Hadn't been around babies was not like these young mothers that you meet in your travels that have all this common sense because they've been surrounded it's second nature. It's not like they had to grab a book to learn. They've been surrounded by kids and people taking care of kids all their lives. So that's why they have that common sense and and, and second nature to it, right? They're confident because exactly. they're like, I'm not going to mess it up. I know what to do. We don't. And I know that when I had my kid, I didn't. And I appreciate, oh my God, so didn't. So I was one of the parents that had, I still have it, and I might publish it, like not publish it, but share it as a blog post someday so that people can see like what not to do. I have pages and pages and pages for weeks on end of every single time my daughter ate, woke up, (laughs) which breast, the whole, like it was frankly a really, a mess, a mess. I didn't. I was trying to apply all these great skills and I, I find, I see this a lot and maybe you to do all these great skills that we value culturally of organization and timeliness and and being efficient and, you know, on time and just, yeah, on time and, and not messy, like all of those things to a process like birth and postpartum that require the opposite skills they require slowness and messiness and just (laughs) being instead of doing and right and i was not good at those skills because i was i were not the ones i honed
1: those those the that uh antithesis if you will of messiness and not being on time and, and not being able to be on time really all those things don't breed success in the Western world. If you are messy and you're not on time and you kind of go, eh, you know, whatever you, you, you know, people kind of go, ah, you don't need that job. You're, you know, you're not, you're not aggressive enough or whatever, but you're totally right. Um, I should have talked to you before I wrote my book, by the way, I love what you're saying here. You're completely correct that, you know, you have to kind of switch into reverse. And this is really hard for people who are driven who have been climbing the corporate ladder, and who have been, by the way, successful at climbing the corporate ladder? These are not people who've kind of, you know, fallen off the, off the, you know, off the truck. They're they're on it, and they're driving it. Uh, for those individuals, and there are a lot of them, and and really more and more women are entering the workforce now. So I'm talking about ladies and and men too. You have to take a, a completely different approach now. I, I Look, I'm not necessarily a bohemian, but that's kind of what you have to do. You have to kind of get down to a different, more earthy, more human level to be uh, – to, to raise children because if you don't, I will promise you, they'll drag you down to it because children – uh, they kind of do that. They they don't really respect our degrees, by the way. Uh, nor do they respect our <laughs> where they live, their the, the, your uh, your financial statement. They know you as mommy and mommy and daddy, and so how they treat you is quite different. But anyway, you're co- co- totally correct. All the things that make for successful um, careers per se don't necessarily translate into parenthood.
0: Yeah. And so that it, I, I love the fact that one of your secrets is that is switch your expectations and let. And this is a quote from your book is during the first month of life, your baby will teach you how to parent. Of actually stepping into that humble role of, because parenting is so humbling, <laughs> right? Of just Amen. Going, yeah. I was yes. like, oh, okay, you are the little one that will lead the way for a bit and then we can work together as a family
1: yes uh parenting by the way uh and I have grown children parenting continue continues in my life to be tremendously humbling and uh be your kids um have an ability to kind of uh you know cut through it all and they kind of make you uh you, they make you a different person they actually help to grow us up they help to they help us in such a profound and deep way uh and I, I, I'm so thankful I have children, but I got to tell you, each one of them have, um, in their own little ways, they have kind of tweaked me. And uh, is it fun? No, not really, but they have.
0: Yeah, well, and that is, it's an immense opportunity to change, like, because having a child changes your identity in a more significant way that you that any other point in our life, like, like, we grow, and then we go off in our 20s to find ourselves, and then we'd figure out who we are, quote, unquote, and then we have kids and it's like, quote, wait, start over <laughs> right and it's I think that's the hardest thing also for parents having that big identity change not the child care stuff not changing the diaper that's what nobody tells you is that it's the s- insane impact that it's going to have on you and what it's going to like it's going to take you like you said take tweak you like it'll take you to your edge and require yeah such growth and so let's take it back to what parents can do to navigate that. So if if we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, if they're not charting and, and having all these apps and like guidance to figure out their kids, what are some things that are help, helpful in trying to figure out the baby? I'm going to let you sit with that a minute while we take a break and then you can give me an answer. We'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns, and sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments, which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So, for example, I take advantage of Acorns Roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert build portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today client testimonial may not be representative of all clients tier one compensation provided compensation provides an incentive to positively promote acorns view important disclosures at acorns.com slash investing involves risk including loss of principal. please consider your objectives risk tolerance and acorns fees before investing acorns advisors llc acorns is an sec registered investment advisor brokerage services are provided to clients of acorns by acorn securities llc member finra sipc for more information visit acorns.com Or, like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features it automatically sorts photos and videos by month allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown and you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home the family album app also has unlimited storage plus it's totally free Yup no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads so to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids photos level up your family photo game for free and securely with the family album photo sharing app head over to the app store today search family album all in one word and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy and we're back talking with Dr. Bob. So, yeah, how can parents navigate this? If they're, at, how do they figure out how to navigate it from their internal compass rather than relying on apps and external things, and you know, charting every single feeding?
1: Uh, this is a this is a great question, and it turns out that. Um, Mothers in particular, and, and dads to a degree too, but I, I, have to, I, I have to tell you, Adriana, that I, I marvel at women. Uh, I marvel at women because they have it down deep in their DNA to be mothers. Uh, you, you, I, I, a lot of people in my community go to you know baby classes beforehand. They go to breastfeeding classes. They kind of prepare themselves with Lamaze and Bradley and all the different me- uh, birth methods and then they have a baby. And a lot of it, you know, doesn't necessarily translate from what they learn in the book or in the class. They kind of, they are thrown into life, okay? And the beautiful thing is that part of it is you have to engage. You have to be there. Uh, you have to, and what I mean by that is you have to focus on what is happening. Now, it turns out that women in particular, guys too, but you, listen, I'll, let's be honest. A woman has a baby they have that had that child in their body they've felt the kicking and everything they've they've been thinking about being a parent for a long time and the reality is that um when they get to the point where they have a baby that baby's born guess what happens they kind of kick it into gear and i think the important thing is that they have to be there now that means it can't be clouded with you know, other things. You have to kind of get, you have to really do put away a lot of the external things like, you know, like a job. (laughs) If you're having to go back to work immediately, that's a problem. Uh, You have to put away other, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, you've had a a reasonable delivery. You're not under the influence of medication of any kind. That is a big issue. Another issue, to be honest with you, is something that is Hard to uh, deal with, and that's that's just good old fashioned depression. You know, a lot of women do have postpartum depression. It's a very real phenomenon. I talk about that in my book uh, briefly. But the reality is, you have to be there when you're there with your child. You're watching your child. You're watching their cues, and they talk to you. They children interact with you. They look at you. They begin to. You get a feeling for their rhythm, if you will. But to get that feeling, you have to. You have to be a participant with them, uh, in and that means spending a lot of time with them uh, when they're born.
0: Mm -hmm. And in that spending of time, I, I I love that you brought up that they do communicate and they do share things with you. It just requires to stop and observe a lot because they may not talk, but those cries are different, and they have the different cues and hunger cues and sleep cues and even elimination cues that we've totally tuned out in our culture and so we don't respond to that but they let you know when they have to poop right
1: <laughs> if you know. we, yeah.
0: yeah if we paid attention um, and I think one of the rewarding things that I, I I want you to talk a little bit more about and, and explain to our re- to our listeners is the idea of how even a one-month-old or a few weeks old can mimic your actions, and how that provides an opportunity to play.
1: It's beautiful. It's it's a, one of those a little miracles of life. Uh, but by the way, just, uh, just as a personal comment, uh, Adriana. Uh, two weeks ago, my daughter uh, Sarah had a little baby boy. Uh, so we're now we're grandparents for the eighth time. And so I will tell you that uh, I've been going over there pretty much every day to to follow up with this little guy. His name is Teddy, uh, little Teddy. And I'm, again, uh, reminded of the joy, the delight of a newborn child, you know, intimately. And watching my daughter go through this is actually, for the first time, by the way, is such a a joy to me. And Sarah, if you're listening to this, uh, know that I'm so proud of you and, and so happy for little Teddy. But you're right. Little babies are imbued with, with their own, uh, ble- uh, you know, what, survival means, okay? And one of them is this whole idea of mirror neurons. And we, they've done some beautiful research. I can't remember the exact doctor who did it. I mentioned in my book. But the idea that children have, we have these neurons in our brain that when we see something, there's something in us that compels us even as adults to mimic that. And babies have that in spades. They very early on begin when you coo to them, they begin to coo back to you and you kind of go, Hmm, interesting. Um, I'll never forget. This is a little bit off topic, but one time my, our family went on a trip to, to uh, the Southern parts of Arkansas is where it was. And my, my younger sister, Within a couple of days, started speaking with a southern southern drawl, and I looked at her and I thought, "What are you doing? What are you? How, how is it that we've only been here for two days and you sound like you've lived here all your life?" That was really a phenomenon of her mirroring and reflecting the culture that was around her. And children, babies do that straight out of the straight out of the box. They come out and they're beginning to interact with parents. And it's I, I, it's one of the the true uh, little joys of, of being a parent because you get to watch that firsthand.
0: And I think that like you know you stick out their tongue and they stick out their tongue and you go back and forth like your face that's the biggest playground. You don't need a gazillion thousand toys. You don't need. Plus, it has the added benefit of calming you down and seeing how able your little person is and and give you that confidence that a toy like you would have missed it if you just set them down with underneath a mobile.
1: That's what that Adriana that is exa- they need your face. Uh, you know Jill Stamm uh, who wrote a, a lovely book um, about children uh, said that the mother's face is the first toy that they have and that is so true, but you have to be there. That's what I'm talking about in terms of being there with your child. You know, we're talking about time-intensive uh, engagement. Now, it turns out that babies are almost impossible not to stare at. I, 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 even my little grandson Teddy here. I have to. I when I go over there, I just, I just look at him. I just, you know, look at every little thing he's doing. And I'm, I, and you, you tend, and, and parents and be, and older people do tend to. Just stare at a newborn child because for whatever reason, they're fascinating, especially to a mother. A mother can sit there virtually all day long and, by the way, happily and content to do it, uh, look at her baby.
0: Yeah, and and so to know that lessens your anxiety and we are giving you permission to do nothing all day but sit and look at your baby. (laughs) And it's probably like skin to skin and it's probably the best thing for both of you.
1: It's the best thing for both of them, for sure.
0: So once that month has gone by and then kind of real life starts kicking in because you can't just stay like that forever, what are some ways that parents can then start navigating, figuring out what parents they want to be?
1: Well I think that uh yeah after the after the month has gone by you begin to you first of all you begin to establish a, a routine kind of a, a pattern and, and there and that pattern usually takes about 3 months to really get going uh in my my ob- observation of parents by by 3 months of age they're they're really getting it getting it together I think that you know there are a lot of different <laughs> parenting styles you can be a parent who's you know the hovering parent who's overly anxious, whatever. You can be a parent who's a little bit more, um, you know, laissez faire in the way they way you approach your child. I think that I, I think that it's important to, to to simply be be there with your, for your child, whatever they're doing, whatever they're whatever, whatever they're uh, you know w- when they when they need food, you're there to feed them, but you're also engaging them. You're talking to them. You're I actually believe in reading to children from the very, very beginning uh, of their lives. And but you're, what one of my colleagues, uh, pediatric pediatric colleagues said, you narrate your life even with young children. So everything that you're doing, you're talking to them, you're engaging them, you're holding them, you're, you're caressing them. But children need to have uh, that that sense of closeness with their. Uh, with her parent and you know one month is is a very short time but that really needs to go on for really months and months and months to be honest with you
0: so um is there how, how do we co- co- reconcile the realities of our life with that because we can't stay with babies unfortunately most people cannot stay with their babies for you know months on end or a whole year
1: that's true and i and I, even though i put that in my book uh i'm, I'm encouraging mom moms to be as present as they possibly can i know that is somewhat of a of a ideal uh but you, uh, you do your best i mean i i do encourage moms who are working to try to take as much time off as they possibly can to use vacation time to use uh, sick time to also maybe even go with unpaid leave if that is it, possible at all But uh, you're right. There's a point where you you do have to face the reality of life and you have to get back to life. I think that one of the things that I I strongly encourage, and I even I tell this to my executive moms who who have big jobs, uh, think of creative ways to include your your child into everything that you do. Um, I'm talking about uh, moms who I I had a mom yesterday in my practice who's... Uh, tra- she's she got a big job and she's traveling, I think, to New York or whatever. And I said, Look, bring your baby with you. Bring your baby. You bring a nanny, bring your baby. Uh, you will be happier. Your child will be happier. So you, I doing, I, I'm and I'm a believer in this because I've seen it in Africa. The women in Africa work really, really hard. They're out there in the fields, they're, doing, they're in the marketplace. They are working mothers, but they also have a culture that allows them to be with their baby pretty much all the time. And this is something that the western culture has bleached out of uh of our lives. The 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 western culture has uh you know has taken children and mothers away from, they've, they've divided them. And I I don't know how to fix that, Adriana. I, I don't. I what? but but, but it's, a, it's, a, I, it's a challenge.
0: It is a huge challenge, but I think just even the concept and idea of, of bringing it to our fore, you know, to our the front of our minds, and and saying, "Hey, how can I incorporate my child?" And also, one of the things that I really appreciated from your book was, I know, uh, and we all know that parenting can be very isolating. In our Western culture, it gravitates towards that right so having that also permission of get your kid out there and have interactions with other people and let's figure out a way how more and more to have our kids be part of our communities instead of something that needs to be shunned out cuz cuz then that we're doing a lot of harm to parents by saying we want you but not your kids
1: totally yeah and, and i listen i i tell people i tell i tell my co uh my workers my daughter my doctors i said look i want you to know that after they've had a child now they have they're not taking me up on this yet but i i tell them look you can bring your child to work you can actually bring your child and have your child in the office with you all day long i don't care and i really i mean that from my heart they kind of look at me and go oh dr hamilton you're out of your mind I really mean that, uh, and I and, and a couple of my my couple of my workers have actually taken me up on that, and their kids are in my office all the time, which I which I like. Um, there's, we have to change our thinking, the Western culture uh, thinking about including children into our culture. If we don't, first first of all, we're not gonna we're gonna lose out. Um, and I I do have to say that the Africans. Have you ever been to Africa, Adriana?
0: Unfortunately, no. I so want to go though. I when you said it's your 26th year, I was like, oh, that's so yeah. sounds so fabulous.
1: <laughs> it's a lot, of, a lot of time there. Uh, go there and and take note. Well, you will because you're in the business. But take note of the children. They're everywhere. They're everywhere now. Gr- granted, they have a lot of children, but the children are part of every you know every situation. You know, when you go uh, to a hotel or wherever you go, there are kids running around. It's delightful. It's wonderful. And, and that actually happens. I spend a lot of time in Guatemala, too. I find that happens in Latin countries uh, more, too. We, we have a tendency in the U.S. to isolate uh, ourselves from our, our beautiful children.
0: Yeah. And there's a meme that's going around um, that I really appreciate and that it says we ask parents to work like they don't have children and to parent like they don't work specifically moms, right? And it's true. That's and it's ridiculous. Like that's we're setting us ourselves up for for losing for disappointing. But the other added advantage, and we're coming full circle here of putting our kids out there more is that then those are our, our kids and younger people that have don't, don't yet have kids are going to be more involved with kids and so when they become parents they'll have more of that common sense because they've had contact with kids so it, That's right. it, yeah it, it definitely creates a, it's a win-win for sure
1: it's a win-win and and you know listen children here's what children do they bring delight they bring joy they bring laughter they bring they light up every room that they, that they go into they also bring purpose to our lives. They they give us a sense of of destiny. And actually, you know, when I have, there's nothing more delightful than to see, you know, teenagers uh, engaging little babies. You know, I love that. When I you know, in the pediatric office, I have these teenagers who come in who are surly and maybe cynical or whatever. You know, <laughs> bored and angry and all that kind of stuff. And I I I walk into a room and I I grab a little baby and I I I walk in and I say. I want you to know something, uh, Ryan. This is what you looked like a couple years ago. And they look at a baby and they kind of go, "Wow, a baby." You know. <laughs> but you're right. When you don't have children in your life, uh, and a lot of people, uh, it's surprising, I ask this question a lot of my new moms. I say, Do you, "Have you ever had any contact with a with a newborn or young children?" They go, "Nope, never have. Never had. Uh, you know, or, or not much. You know." And in particular, the guys—you know, guys—don't have a lot of contact with young children. Um, it's, it's the nature that we have a tendency to warehouse uh, the young babies into daycare situations or whatever, and so they're not out in the community like they should be.
0: Hmm. Yeah. No. I think. I think putting it out there—that's how we create change. Like starting to consider diff- a different way, for sure. Dr. Bob, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to make sure the listeners know or how can they get in contact you, with you or follow more of what you do?
1: Um, I'm very much available on the the internet. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, you, certainly my, my book, uh, Seven Secrets of the Newborn, is out there for people to purchase if they'd like to on Amazon and uh, all over, really. Um, one last thing I want to say is that it turns out uh, that Right now, we are in a dearth of children. Uh, this is an inter- interesting thing. We didn't talk about it here, but demography is important. Uh, demography is the study of populations. And right now, our uh, our U.S. Uh, and all the Western world is not having really enough children to sustain uh, and to, ke- to keep our numbers up. We're actually dropping in population in many countries of the world. So having children is not only a blessing individually is actually a cultural imperative. And that's something that uh, you can't really create baby booms uh, by necessarily that's a deeper thing. That's a bigger thing, but children really are our future and we need them.
0: Yeah, and that would be a whole other long episode.
1: You're <laughs> a right. Very big, long
0: episode. <laughs> be glad to
1: do it. I'll be glad to talk to you about. It. I know a lot we about might, that
0: because that's one I don't think we see eye to eye on that one. <laughs> so that would be Good. interesting. It'd be a great um, talk. Yeah, but for this one, we're wrapped up. Thank you so very much for sharing all your knowledge and all the work you've done with babies for so many years.
1: Thank you, dear. Pleasure to be here.
0: Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member, benefits, send me messages, and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, along with all the amazing Birthful Patreon supporters. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLaud and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to a mighty parent as they share their amazing story here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2019 by Adriana Lozada. Hey, Mighty One.